0: Welcome to episode one of Work Feels. My name is Edda.
1: And I'm Ryan.
0: A pleasure to be recording with you today.
1: Here we are. First ep.
0: We decided to record a bit of an intro episode to not only introduce ourselves, but also give you a bit of an insight into why we started this podcast and I guess sort of our vision or our hopes and dreams for the future of this podcast and what it can achieve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think we want to uh, give everyone some background onto why on earth we're doing this in the first place. Let everyone see behind the curtain who we are and what we do and and why we want to do this.
0: We've actually been working on this podcast. I'm almost embarrassed to say how long we've been working on this podcast because... Yeah, I feel like if you find out you're going to think you're going to have high hopes for the future of this pod but we have been working on the pod for probably 2 years would you say
1: a solid 2 years I remember going <laughs> I remember going on my morning walk my first place in Sydney in Waterloo I was on my morning walk with my coffee and we were sending each other voice notes, like our long extended voice notes. <laughs> and I think that's where it germinated as a lot of great ideas do on a walk. And yeah. we were like, oh my God, as everyone started to do during COVID. Mm-hmm, yeah. We were mm-hmm. like, oh my God, why don't we record a podcast? And at least now <laughs> we're past the, oh my God, I'm releasing a podcast in COVID vibe. <laughs> <laughs> And we're just doing this <laughs> yeah, legit. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with COVID. And that's all we'll say about nothing. COVID because everybody's sick of hearing about COVID.
0: Yeah, but we've we've been quite dedicated, not so much in curating the podcast that we will bring to you, but meeting every week. We probably have had a weekly meeting for two years just to marinate and to (laughs) visualize where this pod is going which i think has just been quite an enjoyable process and i think we've thankfully have pivoted quite a few times
1: started again with colors started again with the vibe started again with who what where and why i think it's been um it's been marinated it's been twice cooked thrice cooked and it's ready to go. It's ready to serve up to the people.
0: That's right.
1: All right. So let's let's go back to the beginning, Edda. The very best place to start.
0: Oh, so we met in grade six. I was... Um,
1: How old were we? Ten years old.
0: Ten or 11.
1: Nine, ten. No, probably ten. ten. or 11, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we met in grade 6. And then I think it was grade 8 where we both joined the rowing club.
1: Yes, the 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 infamous rowing club, and I think that's where things uh, kicked off with a with a good uh, 20 plus year friendship now.
0: Yeah, yes. I think it would be a real shame to leave out the fact that we went to the formal together. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, it was it was a very good moment and I'll never forget. How's this for pro- progress back in um 2006? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2006 was our our senior year. How's this for progress, everyone? Edda asked me to the formal.
0: That's how progressive Now I mean back I
1: then Edda <laughs> is a progressive gal. I mean back then the boys were asking the girls and me a uh scared, anxious, unknown uh, little gay boy who didn't actually know he was gay yet but had just no idea what to do and who to ask and was feeling very overwhelmed in high school. I'll never forget. I was shopping with my mum. I think I was buying underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a text message from Edda being like, hey, do you want to go to the formal? And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, I was so stressed about it. I was like, how do I do this? Oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> And, the, and then I remember coordinating, which would have just been a dead giveaway um, that I was just a little homo in the making. I was like, okay, so we should wear black and our accents should be gold.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Did that come from you? Oh, that's great. I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems very much in line with, with something you would say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day doing doing black and black and gold, white. <laughs> not no, Not one for color.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember being at the other end of that and I remember not being very stressed, which was quite bizarre considering I was going against tradition and asking a guy to the formal. I do remember thinking it was pretty logical that we would go together. You know, we're both tall, we both do rowing, we both have freckles, (laughs) very logical decision. And yeah, I remember texting you and I think your responses was something like... Yeah, totally. I was actually going to ask you, like, I was just going to do it, like, tomorrow. Yeah, I was totally going to ask you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, my
1: God. I had had absolutely no idea what I was going to (laughs) do. Yeah. Oh, gosh.
0: I think we made a great little formal
1: duo. We did.
0: All right, so let's move on to next topic. What did you do when you left school?
1: So leaving school, I was not quite sure of what I wanted to do, um, but I had a strong push from dad who is uh, a builder and always very into design, kind of um, always wished he was an architect and I think he <laughs> got to vicariously live through me. So, yeah, I started architecture, my bachelor's uh, at UQ. Um, all right, Edda, give me your where, – where did you start uni?
0: I went to QT and I did – a business degree with a creative industries degree. I think I started majoring in like management and my creative industries, I was majoring in television, TV production. To be honest, I actually really wanted to be a movie director. That was my trajectory. <laughs> uh- <laughs>
1: you would make a great movie director, but I also think you would have reached a point where you would have been like, oh, this industry doesn't align with my values. There's
0: right. <laughs> It's too much waste around here.
1: There's too much waste. There's too much vanity going on. I hate <laughs> this.
0: <laughs> no, I still, I still think that the core job description or the core skills of a director very much aligns with the things that I enjoy in a job. I like mm. to sort of oversee things. I like a lot of moving parts. I like to have a bigger vision for something and kind of think through how to achieve that with, yeah, all the different um, elements that can make up a team or a production. Mm-hmm. I still definitely resonate with this director trajectory, but um, I ended up switching into marketing and it's much easier to get a job in marketing than as a director, mean, a movie director? <laughs> straight out of uni <laughs> um so yeah and then I just really got into marketing and I just obsessed over it and read every marketing book and then I did a master's in marketing that's that's good and then after the master's in marketing I realized I don't think marketing's for me
1: and it also <laughs> doesn't align with your values
0: you can't win <laughs>
1: I had a pretty straight and narrow path with architecture. I feel like once you're in, you're kind of in. Although it was a, a brilliant experience and I absolutely, thoroughly enjoyed myself through my, my bachelor's and then working and then my master's, um, It's it was one of those degrees where you're like, oh, you're doing architecture, so you're going to be an architect. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Whereas
1: I think your your education path had a lot more twists and turns and open-endedness at the end of the day.
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I wouldn't say I necessarily hate marketing. I think that's probably unfair. I think there's like... It's
1: always a strong it's word. It's a
0: very strong word, <laughs> unnecessarily strong. Um, no, but I think at the end of the day, when you're stuck in a marketing job for a company that you don't necessarily align with, it's really hard mm-hmm. to really be pushing a product and your whole goal is to sell, sell a product that you don't think that the customer needs to buy.
1: And you don't believe in it. And you're like, why am I pushing this? I actually, do, I, I don't want to do this. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But I mean, I've definitely been equipped with some quality skills that I've been able to take forward and apply in ethical ways with businesses that resonate with my values.
1: Absolutely. And I think, I think what you dove into at the time kind of... Uh, maybe was like a a part of the catalyst, if I'm not wrong, to start Undress, which was our kind of our biggest adventure, our biggest endeavor together um, over many years. But, yeah, it all started uh, during university in Brisbane in 2011. I think that was when we kind of like reconnected and we were like, right, you're like, I've got a brilliant idea. Um, And do you want to give the listeners just a... Take us back to 2011, like when it started in your brain, you were like, okay, I've got to do this.
0: Well, look, I can't take full credit because the year before. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) The year before, I got together with a friend who really liked events and. We said, okay, we're going to throw an event. And he was like, we could do a polo match because he was into horses, I guess. Uh, Or we could do a fashion show. And I was like, I've always wanted to host a fashion show. So then I got together with a a crew of people that actually studied fashion. And we threw this event that was quite interesting. And for someone who's never had any insight into the fashion industry, it was um, very eye-opening for me uh everything from like <laughs> casting models to choosing makeup and finding people to dress models and yeah all of these things that you know coming from the outside of the fashion industry is just bizarre uh and then the following year I really I really liked the format of the fashion show I really liked it sort of like a live production and people mm-hmm. it's it was it was a bit There was a bit of novelty around it, I guess. And then with two of the girls, Kirsten Stallard and Kobe Lagana, the three of us, we decided to continue this fashion show, but we rename it and we focus on sustainable fashion. And we showcase designers from around Brisbane who were designing fashion collections, integrating sustainable techniques, essentially. So ethical production or sustainable fabrics, even vintage op shops different methods of accessing clothes that were more sustainable than your fast fashion retailers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of the the birth of Undress.
1: And it really, like, I think you, as you so often do, looked at things from a completely different angle and a unique perspective. And I think you saw the fashion show, not to do it just because you felt like doing a fashion show, but you saw it as the ve- a vehicle for change, and a platform that you could communicate a message to to a lot of people, like really for sure. quickly,
0: for sure. And I th- yeah,
1: and I think it, um, yeah, it was a wonderful tool for that.
0: Yeah, I I didn't grow up dreaming of working in the fashion industry. It was more that when I started to learn about it, I realised that there is so much that we as consumers don't know about the clothes that we're buying mm. but I yeah I definitely saw it as probably like a really effective marketing tool I just saw it as this exactly really... there you go your degree
1: <laughs> degree coming to use yeah
0: a really genuine experience where we could have a wholesome message and engage with people in a different way because sustainable fashion back in the day was was not cool it wasn't something that you know everyone mm-hmm. was after and I think I saw that as as a really exciting challenge to almost rebrand sustainable fashion. And no, mm-hmm. we're not going to, you know, host it in a garden. We're going to do it in an underground car park with heaps of alcohol and music and DJs. And <laughs> like we're just going to give people the best party. The and A it...
1: party with a wholesome message.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think people like that. I think people like the idea of coming for something that had some deeper meaning but it was still fun
1: mm-hmm. but it was still fun and accessible yeah and I think you were, yeah you approached me and I started just helping you find models I think yeah and then I quickly realized that I was like hey, this is actually a really good outlet for my architecture degree. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start designing all the sets and and start doing the creative direction and and how are we going to communicate this message visually? Like, what does the space look like? And that kind of was a, a brilliant outlet over the years for me, which I think was a really important thing to kind of develop me into the creative person that I am now, to have that just unlimited freedom to do something with friends that kind of has a connection to your studies and to your to what you do for work, um, but you yeah. don't have the confines of a traditional workplace.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's such a good experimentation ground because mm-hmm. you kind of – there's no rules, there's no expectations, and you can just go and, and experiment and see what works. And if it doesn't work, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, it was – It was the kind of event where, you know, you could throw a few things and see what sticks and and yeah, and just learn from it.
1: Exactly. I think that was a part of the magic. And I mean we um to give the listeners a bit of a rundown, a lot of people, hopefully a few people listening are very familiar with undress and the undress um the undress time period of our lives. But yeah, we start started in Brisbane, um, gained some success there, had nearly like a thousand people attending the show. It was electric our volunteer group my god that grew to like something unbelievable i think we had probably between our team and volunteers and models we would have had over a hundred human beings working on the shows like on show day yeah yeah and that that created some um uh a lot of fun a lot of drama a lot of um (laughs) hurdles to overcome, a lot of problem solving, but ultimately just the uh, most rewarding kind of team experience that I've ever had. And I think we, we learnt so much again, which I think has brought us to where we are today and it informed so much.
0: Yeah, I think the team experience at Undress really opened my eyes to what's possible when building a team. Um, I think it gave us an insight into motivations people have around doing work and really instilled in me a love for building teams. Um, I think this podcast in a way is dedicated to bringing back our humanity into teams at work because we've both had so many experiences in the traditional workplace that just don't come close to how we felt at Undress. Exactly. All right, so enough about us. We are going to switch gears and uh, we dropped a survey. We re- released a survey probably a month ago now asking mm-hmm. for insights around how people are feeling at work, what challenges they're facing, and what topics they want us to cover in this podcast. So we thought we would actually share some of the results of this survey and, um, and give you guys a little bit of a taster of what's to come
1: yeah it was it was pretty fascinating i absolutely loved reading through the responses some of them were like the the range of the roller coaster of emotions that i went on reading it it's like some of them were hilarious some of them were like shocking some of them were like whoa like so some of them are a bit sad it's like a whole <laughs> whole range yeah. of responses that was really interesting
0: and so many responses where i thought same.
1: Ex- yeah, com- completely. <laughs> uh, pretty much, most things I read, I was like, "Hmm, me too." Like, I've totally felt that. And what's great about it is, I think, first of all, thank you to everyone that wrote in. I think it was really nice to hear from the the listenership and and the audience that we've uh, kind of gathered already, which is super exciting. And I think it's really helped us inform how we want to run the podcast. Is that we we do want to have Uh, an engagement with you. We want to have topics that are discussed and and driven by our audience and really make it like a community uh, discussion.
0: Yeah. So massive thank you to everyone who contributed. Um, Ryan, what would you say are kind of your biggest takeaways?
1: Um, So generally in the survey, I would say my kind of top highlights, my my takeouts from the survey is that people are just well and truly sick of the system where well, they're sick of the kind of corporate system that's been around for what, since like the 1950s circa. So 70 plus years of just the traditional nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and people just really want to, I think bring um, a, hu- a human element back to work. People mm-hmm. don't want to be treated just like a resource um, they want to have more flexibility. They want to take care of their mental health and their physical well-being as well. Mm-hmm. They want to work in industries that align with their values. They want to change the workplaces they're in and and, and make change and, and try and influence uh, others in their workplace. Um, and people also feel really hard done by by a lot of management, a lot of people talking about, you know, I I just wish I wasn't micromanaged. I wish I could, I wish like the structure at the top was different and, and a lot of um, barriers as well.
0: One thing that came up quite a few times was this idea of leadership or top level executives making decisions without having any mm-hmm. understanding of what it's like to work on the front line or on the ground level. You know, yeah. that people are just not taking the time to just get to know what it's like to actually keep a business running the day-to-day yeah. and then they're sort of sitting in their top towers Library just tower. making making these decisions that have huge impact on everyone some of the topics that came like just specific things that people want us to cover include mm-hmm. Working from home, flexibility, work-life balance. A lot of people talked about um, the workload is too much, and you know, burnout. Yeah, exactly. And people are leaving, and then you know, other employers, no, other employees are just expected to absorb that workload. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's this overtime culture. Um, The blur of personal and professional lives, the four-day work week, um, lack of leadership or toxic leadership, which you mentioned, Ryan, like micromanagement, um, Uh even workplace trauma and the lasting effects of workplace trauma. I am quite interested in this idea of, um, you know, the workplace really looks after your physical health through you know workers comp insurance and if you break your leg yeah. at work you've got time off you've, you've got, you're compensated you're really well mm-hmm. looked after they'll, they'll
1: come the- they'll come running with resources if you physically hurt yourself
0: <laughs> that's right but psychological injury or psychological s- deep stress trauma burnout there isn't that support system or acknowledgement no. around psychological in- injury and i think that that's even like even saying psychological injury seems I don't even know if that's the right term but I'm just going to call it that for now
1: I like that term
0: I think we need to really see um, people's emotions and their psychological health in the same light that we see their physical health
1: and I guess that's kind of that kind of uh talk speaks to the title of our podcast is when Mm -hmm. we came up with it we were like you know what I just want to know I just want to know Actually, how people feel at work, like what are like emotions are, are are so integral to your everyday and your your mental health, and what what do people actually feel? And I I guess just being really sick of this, like you know, all the jobs we've had since leaving high school, basically, and finishing yeah. university, and just being sick of this system that's just been around forever, and yeah. like the bigger picture, and and we think that. The way that you feel at work is integral to business, is integral to personal happiness, is integral to, uh, mm. I guess, collective happiness of a workplace. And then even bigger than that is like, like what are the big, big pictures? Like what, like mm. how, how are businesses and industries then impacting the entire planet?
0: Yes, because how we feel at work isn't contained to the hours that we spend at work. If you're having a tough time at work, that lingers and can really impact your personal Mm -hmm. life. Your struggles at work can end up as dinner conversation with your partner at the end of the day. And it can can also just be emotionally draining to be butting heads with people at work, which doesn't just magically disappear when you finish for the day you know, our experience at work can really mold the person who we are outside Mm -hmm. of work. Any other, I mean, there's so many topics that came up. Holy moly, diversity, inclusion, gender pay gap, the future of work, imposter syndrome, neurodiversity at work, negotiating at work. Um, mm-hmm. the fear of resignation.
1: Fear of, oh my gosh. Well, in sync, I was about to say that one fear of resignation, which I thought was a fantastic. I was like,
0: yeah,
1: holy moly. I have been there like writing that resignation email whew, that gets the blood yeah. boiling and hitting sure. send when you're like. Goo.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that also feeds into the inequality that exists at work where quitting is an option for some people. For some people, if you don't like your job, you can just quit. And financially, they're in a position to manage that or Uh secure a new job quickly. But for most people, that option isn't necessarily on the table. You know, in a way, it's a privilege to be able to quit when circumstances don't suit you. Um, So, yeah, for most people, you have to figure out a way to either work through Uh those challenges or live with them or change them. Um, the solution isn't always I'll just quit and get a new job although I am a big advocate for walking away from workplaces that make your life miserable but surely there are other options
1: because you have to stay you have to stay on that that little mouse wheel right of like capitalist society that <laughs> you just have to keep the yeah, wheel you've spinning got bills because to pay and- you got to pay rent It's like you can't just stop and be like I'm going to reflect for 6 months on what I'd like to do <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, wish that's so. not I'd an option.
0: Um, speaking of bills, uh, people want to hear about asking for changes to pay and changes to like their work conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another category that emerged was like aligning your skills to your value or aligning your values within an organization. And what happens when your organization's values are misaligned? Or Mm -hmm. like I found myself so many times in marketing, I'm like selling a product that I don't believe in. Um, And like, is that Mm -hmm. an indication that you need to move on or is there any way to kind of find an ethical path in that?
1: Mm -hmm. And I think what we'd, as uh, I think as we touch on in our our little trailer that, um, well, if you haven't listened to it, you should. I think we touched on in our trailer is that we want to discuss things to help people navigate the workplace rather than be like, I'm bailing, I'm out. You know, do, is it worth trying to have those tough conversations at work or like try and instigate a little bit of change?
0: And where do you draw the line? When is enough enough? When is it time to walk away and What are your options?
1: Another huge topic is silent quitting or just the great resignation, which I think we've seen kind of during and post-pandemic, people's values have have shifted and and changed uh, in the last two to three years.
0: I think they say that there's sort of three options. When you're faced with challenges at work, you can quit, you can try and change the situation or work through it or the third, like they used to be the two options. And now there's the third option, which is quiet quitting, um, Mm -hmm. which I think has this like negative reputation and people are slacking off, but really it's just do your job. And and I guess don't expect um, transformation or don't expect great learning. Just do the bare minimum and get paid for it, which, I don't think is a bad thing at all because if you're finding fulfillment, you're finding transformation, if you're finding learning outside of work, then that's exactly. great. But at the same time, I'm like this is it's really sad to spend so much of your life at work ticking boxes yeah. for a paycheck. Which yeah, I mean, I am I'm all for quiet quitting. Like I'm all for just you're not paid to go above and beyond, so why go above and beyond? But at the same time, if we're all going to quiet quit, we're all going to spend so many hours every day just dragging our feet, doing things we don't love.
1: Exactly. And also not to say that doing the bare minimum, I think when I hear about quiet quitting, I think like, oh, you're just, you're just doing the bare minimum. And sometimes it's like, you know what, in order to do your job and actually get things done It's an incredible amount of effort and it's an incredible Mm. amount of your time, energy, like all of your personal resources to just tick boxes at work and get your workload done um, and fulfill your position. And then going over above and beyond is is um, exhausting. And I think people have realized, like, I have other things I need to pursue and I need and, and that balance, that balance, I think we've all thought more about in the last two to three years is yeah how do you achieve that balance
0: yeah so after reading through the survey results uh we've realized that there are so many untapped stories from Mm -hmm. workplaces around australia we even had people writing in from um, mexico and europe um, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to switch into a, a bit of a like story um, curation, story collection mode over the next month uh, where you can go to our website and you can share a story from work um, anonymously or not anonymously. And and yeah, share, share a story that is either like a challenging experience or something super messed up or something really positive, like a new initiative that, has been introduced to work and has gone really well. So if you have a story that you can share with us, um, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can jump onto our website, workfields.com or you can even send us an email, which is hello at workfields.com or you can even record your story and send it as a voice message or a voice note on Instagram. Yes.
1: We love voice notes. And we'd also love to know if you really want to get your story out there um, and you record it or you're happy for us to read it out on the pod. Um, yeah, we want we want to get the listeners involved. Get yourself on the podcast. It'll be really exciting to um, grow and build our community and just hear really uh, unique and interesting stories. So we're encouraging everyone who's listening to this, tell your friends tell your family you know if they've got an incredible story happy sad a mixture of all of the above uh we we want to hear it and we we want to we really want to get into the culture of australian and even internationally uh you know the workplace in 2022 Uh, what does it mean to you and and what's happening Okay, everyone, so to finish off, we're going to wrap up with a question about our core motivations as humans, uh, what it is that we care about deep down and why. Etta, if you were to leave a legacy, what would you want it to be? Give me a little background on that.
0: Um, there is a statistic. This is going to sound really nerdy.
1: We love nerdy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a statistic that um comes from the Gallup Institute, which, uh, they, so they do a report on like the state of work every year and they report on the percentage of people who are um, disengaged at work. Uh, and I think they split like um, engaged, disengaged, and actively disengaged, and I think there's a fourth criteria. Anyway, the statistic is something like around 80% of people are disengaged at work.
1: Which, which is insane. That's yeah. crazy. We spend which, so much of our lives doing yeah. our bloody jobs. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, exactly. And I just think that it sucks. That statistic really, really sucks. It does. And I think, honestly, I think if I were to leave a legacy, because the flow and effect of being engaged at work has so many positives, and and like that's for me, that's where sustainability is connected in. When you're engaged Mm -hmm. at work, you have the emotional capacity, the intellectual capacity to to ask tough questions about sustainability at work, to create change from inside of your organization, to hold your leadership accountable. Like you can't expect people that hate their job and are friggin' like having a tough time to then go and start some like fantastic initiatives about uh-huh. – I don't know, recycling or about supply chain transparency or carbon footprint because it's like, no, these people are just literally trying to get by day by day. By. Yeah. And, and like I've been in that position where I'm like, I do not have the energy to be campaigning for positive progress within this workplace because I'm just struggling to even rock up at work. So I think <laughs> like for yeah. me – the flow on effect of engagement at work and happiness at work and happiness is such a like subjective concept I think probably shouldn't be using that word but fulfillment and satisfaction at work is that we can be active citizens we can be global citizens and we can have such a a more of a positive impact when it comes to climate crisis and Um, diversity and inclusion and equity at work so for me this is like the starting point like we can't go and solve the 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 climate crisis when the majority of people are just having a tough time at work so for me Uh legacy wise I would love to see Um, that statistic, whether Gallup measured it or someone else measures it doesn't really matter, but I'd love to see people more engaged at work and feeling more comfortable, feeling seen and heard. Um, because, because the flow, I believe the flow and effect of that is, is, is the only way that we can solve the climate crisis. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I see the recipe. Like we can't solve the climate crisis with the thinking that got us into the climate crisis, which is just like corporate, robotic, nine to five. Like I just stay at work until my boss goes home and make sure that I look busy. Like that's mm-hmm. not the thinking that's going to solve the climate crisis. We need people who are interns who have been, at the company for a week or a year or 10 years to all be able to have a say and all be able to ask tough questions. And that comes with psychological safety and purpose at work. Okay, Ryan, when you think about what drives you both for this podcast as well as your personal and professional life, what is it that really gets you fired up?
1: So I think one of the most important things to me that I would love to see changed towards the end of my working life, uh, is really for the, a complete change, a complete transformation, a complete evolution of the current work environment and power structures and the way we do business, the way we structure things, who's in charge, who's making those decisions. I think one of the most important things for me, uh, if I can help at all, if I can uh, contribute to this, is really diversity, representation and inclusion. It's always stuck in my mind that it's really hard to be it if you can't see it. So I would love to be personally an example for other people in the LGBT community. I would also like to see just in a complete like shift of the traditional kind of managers, the traditional kind of CEOs, the traditional people who are, who are making these kinds of decisions that are ultimately affecting, you know, a, a company itself, the wider community, and then big, big scale, ultimately affecting our planet and our climate as well as you touched on. I think we are certainly seeing that change already. Like, obviously, uh, you know, you just have to look at the last two decades and and the way that uh, the kind of traditional power structures are very much beginning to shift. And I feel like we are really at this turning point, um, particularly in terms of representation of uh, LGBTQIA people within the workforce. It's really amazing to see... uh, you know, uh, queer leaders, queer CEOs, Um, you know, I really want to see trans men and women, trans people, non-binary people. I want to see the full, uh, you know, beautiful spectrum, beautiful gender spectrum. I want to see the full beautiful identity and sexuality spectrum just represented in upper management, in leadership, in middle management, in all parts of every company. And I would like to really see it just become completely normal um, and for people of every identity to be able to hold their own uh, in a boardroom or who knows, maybe we need to get rid of boardrooms. (laughs) I often, uh, from personal experience as well, I often feel that work is, it's a strange environment. It can be one of the final frontiers uh, for being your true self, bringing your whole self to work. It's, I know personally, it's difficult when you're at work and the kind of conversations at work about, you know, life, family, uh, partners and things. In some areas it's, it's really progressed and I'm sure people feel, you know, have zero hesitation in talking about their lives, no matter their identity or their expression. Um, but I think even personally, I've still struggled sometimes, you know, in, in the early days to bring my full self to work or talk about my partners or talk about my life. And it's just, it's shit that sucks. <laughs> and it has such a huge flow and effect to, as you said, people's engagement with work, people's satisfaction with their careers, people's drive. and And in turn, like you say, that engagement being able to create amazing change, having that bandwidth and that capacity to go above and beyond, to to uh, create, to do, to uh, initiate amazing change. Um, so I think the way in which we change that is obviously more and more representation. So the more people and the more diverse diverse uh, leadership and company structures are, uh, the business community uh I also think there's a really strong link to what we can do for the planet and the climate and society at large if, on a very large collective scale, those traditional stereotypes of leaders dramatically change and we then have people from diverse backgrounds, diverse life experience, we have so many more perspectives coming to the table when it comes to making decisions and they don't have a similar you know, thread to one another and therefore don't keep making the same decisions that have gotten us into this uh, situation we're in with the world. And I would just really love to see that massive shift in the diversification of leadership uh, and also, then the ripple effect that it has for future generations. I think there's there's always going to be the next frontier to fight. Um, but I feel like, particularly the LGBTQIA community, uh, the gender diverse community. I feel like we're really at a crux and at a at, at a tipping point. That's scary, but it's it's also beautiful at the same time. And I think in the next. 10, 20, 30 years, I would love to just see a complete change. And then hopefully it can create this amazing ripple effect to have a positive impact uh, socially, environmentally, culturally. I just think there's real potential there in getting the decision makers to be an extremely diverse and and, uh, interesting, unique uh, individual's Just this beautiful uh, spectrum of people that are making decisions and driving, you know, driving companies, driving policy and creating change.
0: So, thanks for tuning in to our very first episode. Um, We are going to be a weekly podcast, but we are going to take the next month to collect stories from the workplace partly because we want this to be a audience-led podcast where the stories Mm -hmm. of people at work is really front and center and then we build experts around that. Um, We're also going to enter this sort of research month in October because I am 38 weeks pregnant and I'm (laughs) – I'm very optimistic and thought that launching a podcast a week before my due date would be a brilliant idea. Um, And I can very confidently say that was no brilliant idea, even though we've been working on it for two years. The timing of this launch, probs could have been slightly better timed. Um, Probs. but. Sometimes you've just got to make these mistakes and then realise and then you just adjust things and then you get back on the horse.
1: But you were really, uh, yet again, classic Edda, just challenging the status quo and you're like, I can release a podcast and have a baby at the exact same time. No biggie.
0: (laughs) I don't know if that's challenging the status quo or just stupidity, but... (laughs) (laughs)
1: I mean, there's a fine line, right? There's a fine line.
0: There is a fine line, yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I will be um, taking a little bit of time to adjust to being a mum. And in the meantime, we're going to be curating these stories and locating experts. And then we will be back um, at the very start of November to kick off our kind of weekly segments, <clears throat> excuse me, to kick off our weekly segments of work feels.
1: All right, so everyone, as we said, the email inbox is open. We are extremely keen to get stories um, short or long, anonymous or fully identified, we don't mind. <laughs> um, we would love to hear about your stories. So you can head to our website, workfeels.com, uh, to find out more about us. And there'll also be an easy, uh, link there that you can click, uh, to submit one of your stories, or if you just feel like drafting us an email, hello at workfields.com. Again, uh, check out our Instagram, follow us at workfeelspod on Instagram. You can record a voice note there. If you have a story, if that's your vibe, Um, chuck us a follow Um, we'll be keeping you updated on the socials
0: thank you to everyone for tuning in we appreciate your support here's to an epic season one of work feels we can't wait to hear your stories and share your stories on the pod uh, and bring you some clever people with insights on how we can go from surviving to thriving at work
1: Thanks for joining us everyone for our first episode. We're so excited to bring you the rest of the series. I'm Ryan
0: and I'm Edda
1: and you're listening to Work Feels.